was about the intergenerational church. And one of the uh, premises, the theories of the speaker was that uh, we as adults need kids in order to mature. Did you hear that? Not that kids need us to mature, though that is true too. But we as adults need kids to mature, especially in faith. We all need one another. And yes, there are times as we do where we need to separate in order to teach the foundations of the faith. But there are times when we all must be together. And the church is a church of all ages. And we need our kids to help lead us in the essentials of the church. Whether that's, you know, uh, helping with Wednesday night ministry, not a, just a side part, but they, they hack a lot of the uh, salads. And so you get this choice and you get five kids and you just, you never know who's going to say what or do what. In fact, I went, Eliana was doing something, and I, I went to tell her to do something else, and this girl said, no, I told her to get up there. Okay, I'm still not quite sure what the world's going on. You know, but they were, and they enjoyed it. And, and, and also, in ways of leading us in worship, you know, they may not always realize the words we're singing, but we don't always realize the words we sing. And so we start to open our eyes to see what is there. We need kids to lead us in prayer. Because sometimes we think, I can't pray like fill in the blank. Pastor Ken. You know, you can't pray like Pastor Ken. That's okay. There's only one Pastor Ken, right? You know, Pastor Ken McDonald, right? You know, and a lot of people, uh, you know, and I'm sure the other pastors here uh, have uh, experienced this, where someone will say, here, you ought to pray because you have more of a direct line to God. I've heard that. And I thought, man, if you're putting me as a direct line to God, you're in sore shape, spiritually. I've never had a kid actually say that to me. You realize that? They kind of just, okay, they go. We need those reminders. We need eyes to see. And I realize that's a pretty simple statement, right? Pretty no brainer, right, Daniel? You know, we need eyes to see. Yet, let me ask you, how well are you seeing these days? See, kids typically don't have too much trouble seeing, unfortunately, or fortunately. They see everything. You know, and they see literally everything one is doing or not doing in life. They notice with this curiosity on things. How well are you seeing? We need eyes to see. Scripture is filled with these. Uh, kind of statement. We read in the Psalms and in the Old Testament that they will be ever seeing but never really seeing, perceiving. Jesus taught in parables so people would see but yet people missed the point. The reality is that we do not always see well. 
There's many reasons why we don't see well. Like some of you have glasses to help you see. Some of you have lenses to help you see. Some of that is natural. Some of that is due to disease. Some of that is multi-factor. Where we don't quite get it. And as we come to our text this morning, I think we need to realize the same thing is true in trying to see Jesus. There are many factors on why we do not see him as he is. Where we miss it, where our eyes have been clouded in some way, shape, and form. Where we need to have an eye exam this morning. So that you can say, I see well. I see the Lord and the truths of Scripture. So as we get started this morning, we, we read in Luke 24 that on the first day of the week, very, uh, now that same day, verse 13, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles or so from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Their eyesight wasn't there. We're going to get into what I think that one is, but I want to say some other reasons why we do not see clearly. We do not see because we are not challenged. Challenged in our beliefs. Challenged in new information. We live sometimes, and in our world, it is very easy to live in what they call an echo chamber. Where everything you say just comes back to you. And it's the same thing, just delayed a little bit. This is one of the reasons I try to watch, but I don't watch much, but I try to read of news and current events from every stripe of life. It's really interesting how I can read the same stuff five different ways and still think I've missed something. You know, each one has a little bit. And sometimes if we just, why do I do that? Because I want to be challenged to make sure I'm seeing clearly. Not that I agree with all of them or any of them. But I want to be challenged with things. One of the reasons that uh, I still sit under the teaching of Ron Butter on Wednesdays, he challenges us to think a little differently. Or maybe I still keep my same beliefs as I always have, but he, he takes me, he challenges it, are we sure? Not because he's trying to dismantle, but he wants us to grasp our faith. Some of you have been Christians for many, many years, but you've not recently been challenged in your faith. How will you see? How can you see well when it's never been challenged? To some extent, these, these disciples, they're getting ready to be challenged in their faith. They, they're walking, and Jesus comes up to them, and he, and he asks the question, what are you discussing? And to the disciples, they're like, you don't know? You don't know what has happened? really interesting because they're talking to the one who really knew. But sometimes Jesus will challenge us in our faith. He's going to ask them to clarify what things they're talking about. 
so that they can go deeper than they ever thought was possible. Sometimes we don't see very well because of grief, pain, and unmet expectations. Here we find ourselves in the very same place as these disciples. They're going, this Jesus of Matthews, he was a great prophet. In fact, we thought he was going to redeem Israel, they say to him. But yet, he was crucified. He was buried. And, and right now, we don't even know where his body is. It, it, it's gone, but we've not seen him. Where is our hope there? Who is he really now? They, they know enough of the Easter story. They know enough of Scripture, per se, to say something magnificent has happened. We just can't understand it. What about your grief, your pain, your unmet expectations? I realize the past couple weeks I've been really preaching on this because I think we've got to realize that this is going to happen. It's not happening right now. Whether physically or spiritually or emotionally or mentally, it will happen. We need to, to some extent, prepare ourselves for those. We can't fully prepare. We're never ready for it. But we can start to go, I'm ready when it happens. Like stopping our pantries before a storm. You know, we're in spring, we get thunderstorms here, we understand tornadoes here. We know that when a watch comes out, one of the things we as parents in particular do is we make sure we know where flashlights are, or lanterns, or something, just in case bad weather will come. Or most of us, we find our uh, mobile device uh, battery charger, and we make sure everything's charged up. Why? We prepare for the moment, while hoping we don't have to experience it. The same is true spiritually, by the way. We see this. Another way. Mental health. Our mental health issues affect our vision. We, as the church, need to continue to diligently break down the walls of stigma with mental health issues in our life. And we, as the church, ought to be able to. We have stigmatized this so much. I still meet people every single month that, that are trying to grasp their mental health issues and they've been reminded about how they just got to pray some more about. Or the one I hear quite often, I must be possessed by evil spirit because I struggle with a mental health issue. Friends, we got to stop it. And we got to stop it today. We should have stopped yesterday and But we need to realize that, yes, when we have mental health issues of anxiety and depression and trauma, if we won't see everything clearly. And it's, it's okay as long as we realize it. I, I look at some of the characters in Scripture. I, I see to some extent these two disciples are very much depressed as I would be. Would they be clinically diagnosed? It doesn't matter. They are completely hurt and downcast because of what they are experiencing. And what we see Jesus not say is, well, just believe. Just, just pick up your faith. He walks with them. 
He talks with them. He will reveal truth to them. But he doesn't just say, get up on your own. Yes, he says, ye of little faith. You know how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Really, so that's after walking the journey with them. And it's not as derogatory as I think we see and read this. He's getting ready to open them up. But we do have to realize, I have to realize, in my own struggle with mental health, that when I'm in my darkest, I don't see the world as it really is. I don't. Neither does anyone else. But we, as the lights of the world, as fellow Christ followers, we can shine light into the darkness. And sometimes it's just by sitting with them in the midst. Sometimes it's reminding them, as you know, some like to say about the story of Elijah, just go take a nap. Go sleep it off a little bit. This is why it's a shameless thought. I realized that uh, on um, May 16th, uh, I'll be uh, leading a training on anxiety and depression over at the county building for pastors, faith leaders, church people, pastors, and the like. So we can get a handle on some of this. And, and because we interact with it, 20% of individuals deal with anxiety or depression any given year. So 83 is here this morning, add another four, so uh, that would be 87, would be 88, just to make my math easier. That is over 17 people here this morning dealing with mental health issues. Okay? Some of you have it under control. Others of us, we do not. We just look like we do. All right? Chances are you're running into someone every time you come to church that struggles with something mentally. And we need to see this. I know I'm on a little bit of a soapbox. I'll get off of it real soon, I promise. We need to see this the very same way we see physical issues in the life. We need to say, go get some help. We don't tell people with diabetes, just let it go away. Just to act like it doesn't happen. Or I hope not. I don't. You know, we don't just tell our heart. If you would just pray about your knees some more, that pain will go away. You won't need surgery. If I ever said that to her, y'all just need to kick me out. All right? What do we say? Go get it checked out. We know God is a great physician, but we know he uses good physicians to do his work of healing. I say this many times to people I work with, both of those of you in our church and those outside, especially the people of faith. We know that, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, but he uses some good counselors to be about the work of healing and hope. There is nothing wrong with dialing up a counselor saying, I need help. Actually, that's sometimes the best thing you can do. There's nothing wrong with taking a medication for a mental health issue so you can see clearly. Because then you can work on the healing the Lord has. I will move on. We can be blinded by our unbelief. Spiritually, we can be blinded. We, we know that to be true from the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians, but he said the God of this age is blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the life of the gospel. 
that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We know this to be true. That's why we pray that the Lord would show up. We pray for unsaved people because they are blinded by nature to the gospel. That's why we cannot take for granted. Now, I think that's not the kind of blinding these two had. They were followers of Jesus. They had heard enough of the gospel. But I believe that we as followers of Christ can also be spiritually blinded by many of things. I think what is also going on here is, is, is these disciples by God, and he's kind of kept them in the dark for a little bit on who he is so that he can take them deeper than they ever anticipated they could go. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Why would God blind people to the fact that he's walking right with them? I think, in my own blurriness, it's because if we really realized Jesus was always walking beside us, we wouldn't let him teach him the things he wants us to learn. And we would think we had it together. We would stop questioning. We would just continue to go on like, you know, Jesus is right here. He's like, I want to do something. Oh, let's just enjoy the scenery. Jesus had a mission here. And if they knew exactly who he was, we do not get this story. And a lot of regards. Are we willing to wait on the Lord? Realizing his timing is the best time when we need to understand things. Sometimes I think we just settle for what we have. This is why the writers of Hebrews said you ought to move on from the elementary teachings of Scripture. We must move on. But as we continue and as we get back into our text, what I see notice again and again is Jesus is going through them. He explains, he walks with them, however many miles this was. I know uh, our, our translation says seven miles. It could have been more than that. We don't know where this city was. Okay? We just know Jesus is walking with them. And that reminds us that Jesus steps into our blurriness. Whatever is causing you not to see, Jesus can step into that. And he will walk with you in that. See, the beauty of what we see here is Jesus didn't ask them to get it all right before he showed up. He knew they were blurred. He knew what they were talking about. He knew they weren't seeing him. Do you, do you have some questions that only Jesus can answer? Do you just have questions? Do you wonder what is going on? Have you thought, maybe I don't have this all figured out yet? I don't have this figured out yet. You know? I still read and wonder, what, what, what are you really saying here? And I think it's in those moments of the blurriness that I think Jesus says, hey, I want to step in and guide you here. Because he will guide us. He won't leave us in our blurriness if we really are open to it. He will guide us. And we see that he guides these two disciples into understanding the truths of Scripture, guiding them along this, hey, 
Here's who he is. Here's why he has glory now because of what he suffered and went through. But Jesus will guide us. And then as we go on, we read these words, and, and, and I, I love them in a lot of ways. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is near the evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. I find that interesting because I think Jesus, as Jesus always does, knew what he was really wanting to have done. But see, Jesus waits at times for the invitation from us in order to show up. Jesus will never force himself upon you. He will never abuse his power. But he's waiting for the invitation. There's much disputed verse of this true meaning. Uh, Revelation 3.20 where it says, Here I stand to the door and knock. You know, anyone who open, I will come in and be with them and they with me. I think, the, I think some of it is at least this, this uh, door of salvation, but I think it's more than that because it's written to the church. Jesus is waiting. You know, if someone comes knocking on my door, I've got two options, right? I've got three. One, I can ignore it. All right? Those of you with video doorbells, it's great, isn't it? You see them coming and you can hide if you really want. Jordan, why are you laughing at your dad like that? Has he done that? He likes scaring people because he talks to them and they're like, oh, yeah. All right? We, you can ignore them. Two, you can answer the door, but you can just lower the screen or open it a little bit and have a great conversation and hope they leave. I've done both. We'll do both. Or thirdly, I can see them and say, hey, why don't you come in? You know, I joke with many of you. And there's one rule, though, if you come into my house. Not in my house, but the house I live in. If you're wanting to see the house, make an appointment. If you're wanting to spend time with us, show up. But no, we live there. Okay? We have three kids. We try to make them pick up, don't we, boys? All right? Do you always pick up? No. No. All right? So if you're going to come into our house, please be gracious to how it may look. Okay? We live there. But if you're there to see me, it doesn't matter what my house looks like always. Okay? But if you want to see the prior saints, make an appointment without credit for it. Alright? But if you want to spend time with us, you'll disregard the stuff. Okay? And if you can't disregard the stuff, you're probably not going to see us. Alright? So, but that's what I think what Jesus was waiting on. He was waiting on them to say, hey, why don't you stay with us? And so he does. And it is to have that invitation that they share a meal, which was very common. This isn't an extraordinary meal. This isn't a reenactment of the Last Supper, though there's a lot of hints of what Jesus did there. But let's be honest, Jesus ate a lot with people. He had probably eaten with these two disciples before. They followed him. They may not have been part of the 11 or the 12, but they knew enough of him. They've been around him enough to know how he does things. And it is in this moment that Jesus reveals himself. It says here, 
that when he was at the table with him, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to him. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And as quickly as he is revealed, he disappears. Another sermon for another time on that. Or you can ask uh, Ron Letter, Pastor Paul, Pastor Ken, they can tell you all about that. I'm certain, you know, but, you know, we don't understand lots of things. There was something about that act. Some believe they finally saw his hands when he gave them. I think there's something about the fact that when Jesus broke bread and he prayed and he did things, the character of who Jesus is just infiltrates all that is around. But Jesus will reveal himself. And so as we come to this time of communion in just a few short moments, how does Jesus reveal himself? You can't know Jesus without knowing his word. Yes, you may have come into contact with him. Yes, you may have a knowledge of him. But if you do not read the Bible and do not read scripture, you will fail to see who he really is. Which I also means you will fail to see who you really are. Because we, if you are in Christ, we are in Christ. And that is a magnificent so do you read scripture? And some of you are going, I don't know how to read scripture. I get it. It's a hard thing sometimes to read scripture. So those of you who are in person, you see on the bottom of your handout area, there's a book. It's a pretty standard book. Key and Stewart. Those of you watching online, it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Okay? It's been around for ages. Because it's been good for ages, okay? And I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, there's a QR code on the screen. Some of you know how to use those. Uh, some of you online, it should be in your bottom, I believe, left. No, I think right. No, All right. Left. Left? Okay. I, I knew I'd put it somewhere. All right. It, it's there. All right. You can take a picture of this. It'll link you up to our study gateway uh, account as a church free to you that, that I pay for every month so that you can have resources to study scripture. Because I can't teach you all. So I think Jordan just did it. Right? You know, I saw you take a picture. I won't focus. Alright. May not focus there. You know, bulletin, you can do this. And you, there's different resources so you can get into scripture so you can have the Lord reveal himself. There's Tuesday morning, there's Wednesday morning, there's Sunday morning, Sunday school, and some of you are like, none of that works. Let's get it grouped together. We got people who can do one, something. In fact, with the study gateway, as long as you can have uh, internet access, you can have someone else lead you and a couple others through. You know? These are some good stuff. Will I agree everything that's on there? No. But sometimes I need to be challenged. So I don't just keep hearing everything I've always believed. And something I will grow. Jesus reveals himself in Scripture. But he does more than just that. Jesus will reveal himself in experiences and traditions and rituals. We claim to be a non-liturgical church. Some of you don't even know what liturgical means. It means basically... The rhythm of church as kind of 
prescribed over the use. That's a really simplified and not in-depth enough uh, answer to that question. Liturgical churches have scripture readings for each week, kind of prescribed for them. They have other things, and it's a very beautiful thing. We like to claim we are non-liturgical. We have traditions, do we not? In fact, those of you who've been around here at least for the past six years, you can probably have a clockwork, set your uh, watch to know exactly when we're going to pray, to know exactly when that message is going to start, and about when I'm going to stop. You know that we get up, we do announcements, we sing three songs, we have a word of prayer, we uh, dismiss kids right before that, we have a message, and then we sing another song, and if that doesn't happen, you're like, whoa. FYI, next week's going to be different, just so you know. All right? And I'm intentional. We try to do it all within an hour and 15 minutes. All right? So that you can be out of the way for lunch. Okay? Maybe to beat the Lutherans and the Methodists, depending on this. All right? Uh, with that, we have traditions and rituals. We know that. And, and though we differ than our liturgical brothers and sisters when it comes to this table, we don't believe something special and magical and deeply spiritual happens. But let us also not forget that Christ uses very simple, ordinary, non-deep things to proclaim his presence. He had a meal with these two disciples in the rise of the meal. And they put two or two together. And got forward. Simple things. Yes, I believe Christ reveals himself in Scripture fully. We, we have to go there. But we can't just read Scripture and think that's going to be the end. Christ wants to do way more than just show up in a Bible study. He wants to show up Monday through Saturday. And how will we do that? Normal, everyday occurrences. The beauty of the liturgical church, in my opinion, is sometimes when you don't feel like God's around, when you experience with your eyes, with your ears, with your nose, and with your mouth, you are reminded He's still alive. That's the beauty of church. Where we can speak with one another about I hear the voice of God. Where I can through a handshake in other ways. But you all know I'm not the biggest of others. Alright? It's just me. There's lots of things wrong with me, but maybe one of them. Alright? A handshake works just fine for me. Alright? Others of you, that's not the case. I, I, I know. You know, we remind ourselves that Christ is alive. As we drink of the cup and eat of the bread, we are reminded of God. So where does that lead us as they come to a close? I think we must pray for open eyes. Lord, we just need to pray the prayer. Lord, open my eyes to see you today. Period. And if we're praying that prayer, can I tell you what will probably happen? Revival will break out within us. Because we're inviting Christ to do a work. And I think he will do that work. What if we pray the prayer every single day? Lord, open my eyes to see who you are to 
end. Then I think we will have a time when we will say words very similar to these disciples. Burn not our hearts burning within us. While we talked with us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Your heart will burn in a very supernatural way. Scales of the eyes will fall off. And we will see Christ as he is. So as the those who are helping to serve communion as you come this way, I invite you to this table. Those of you who are at home, I hope you have uh, some kind of elements, whatever those may be. But we come. We come and here we believe this, is, this table is open to all and any who confess Jesus as Lord. I don't care if this is your first time here or your one millionth and one time here. Do you know Jesus as Lord? This table is for you. I hope that you will uh, open your eyes to see who Christ is this day. So uh, let us pray over the elements. Shall we pray? Our Father, we have we come before you, before your table.